Welcome to the special edition of 1514. In this episode, I sit down and talk with the executive director of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, Jeremy Stalnecker. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you're probably familiar with Jeremy and the Mighty Oaks programs, the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've talked to him and others in their staff about the ministry. I'm on their advisory board, and I really love the ministry, want to connect with them. But I reached out to them recently as the events in Afghanistan have been unfolding, my heart went out to the people there and to the Christians, especially who are being persecuted in the aftermath of the withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan and the subsequent ta- uh, takeover by the Taliban. But I also began to think about my brothers and sisters in arms who have fought and have friends who have fought and died there in Afghanistan and some of the distressing questions that might be arising in their hearts. So I reached out to Mighty Oaks to see what they're doing, how they're ministering to people, if they've seen any impact from this. And I was encouraged by the response that I got from them about that, but also finding out that they are actively involved in helping get U.S. uh citizens as well as Afghans who supported the military effort of our Western allies uh, out of Afghanistan. They have been coordinating and working through their relationships with the military and other nations to coordinate activity to help come alongside uh, the efforts that are going through our government and using NGOs and others to help get these thousands of people that are still there that need to get out of Afghanistan, out of Afghanistan. And they it's such a fluid thing that the website Jeremy mentions in our podcast actually is different. So I want you to know that it's saveourallies.org. You can go there and find out about those efforts as well as support those efforts financially. Again, that is saveourallies.org. We'll link to that in our show notes. Just wanted to give you a heads up about that because while we were talking he mentioned it as a different website, and then I just got notification that the web, the URL is actually that. So thank you again for listening. I hope that you are really encouraged by what you hear and emboldened to pray for and support the efforts that are going on there, especially for the Christians who are in Afghanistan and who need our prayers uh, greatly. Thank you again for listening. I hope you are encouraged. Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to this episode of 1514. It's a real pleasure to have you with us. This episode is a special one that we kind of rushed to put together, but I'm really thankful for my guest today. Uh, You've heard him here on the podcast before if you've been a listener for any amount of time. It's uh, Jeremy Stalnecker, who is the executive director of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, and he graciously responded to me that, yes, he could be here to talk specifically about the, the situation that's going unfolding in Afghanistan and how we as Christians and the church can really minister to um, not only people who are in Afghanistan, but the veteran population that's back home in the States who, who might be really wrestling in the midst of, of this time. So, Jeremy, thanks so much for being with us on 1514 today. Yeah, of course. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, Jeremy, uh, c- can you tell us, just give us an update on Mighty Oaks and what you guys are doing? Because as I, I texted you and Chad and found out you guys are 
actually helping to try to get people out of Afghanistan. Uh, tell us about that. Sure. One of the unique things about being a military ministry, a veteran ministry, is that we all served in the military. <laughs> so we have <laughs> yeah. a lot of connections throughout the military still. And yeah. because of the work that we do, not only with the veteran community, but with the active duty community, uh, we're still very connected to people that are deploying, have deployed, and have been a part of a lot of what's happening around the world, and in particular in Afghanistan. So when all of this began to unfold over the last uh, really the last couple of months when timelines were put in place and we knew that we'd be pulling out and that would have certainly repercussions. We just internally started to put together uh, some planning to help those that we know and that we care about in Afghanistan have the opportunity to get out. Uh, these would be folks who aren't currently serving in the military. Um, anyone who's been in Iraq or Afghanistan for any length of time has had interpreters embedded and people that uh, may be nationals to that country, but certainly fought alongside of American uh, servicemen and women. So uh, we all have folks that we cared about and began to just using our own connections, put a plan together to, to uh, get some of those folks out and their families. Um, but things continue to unfold. The bottom dropped out, as everyone's seen over the last couple of weeks, and it became a much, much larger issue. This issue of evacuation became a much larger issue than just getting the couple of folks that we know out. Um, so reaching into our network, uh, Chad Robichaud, of course, our founder, uh, spent um, you know a lot of time in Afghanistan working with folks there, has a lot of connections there. And then just more broadly, we have connections with other um, non-governmental agencies, nonprofits, and other organizations who do this kind of work around the world. And so we have been able over the last week to very quickly, uh, and it's, it's been pretty amazing actually, very quickly put together a coalition of organizations that each bring different things to the table um, from just the organization planning side, the logistics side, connections to governments that will help us execute some of this, putting together manifests, working with our own government, all the things that would be involved in that. Yeah. Um, we've been able to put together a, a coalition called Save Our Warriors. And uh, the website, Lord willing, will go up today, saveourwarriors.org. As you can imagine, a lot of people working 24 hours a day right now to get everything up. Yeah. Saveourwarriors.org. And that will... Uh, provide a platform to give, to support financially to what's happening. As you can imagine, it takes a lot of money to make these things happen, yep. but then uh, just the coordination and kind of what we're involved in. So uh, that is the the big picture. Um, a lot of things happening there. It looks like using the, the partner organizations and uh, honestly, the, the countries that <laughs> have uh, stepped up and, and come along, uh, we'll see about a thousand folks, um, Americans and those who hold those special immigrant visas, we've heard so much about uh, so much about those SIVs. Uh, these are folks who are already vetted by the United States, who have served with the United States, who have special visas because of that, and who early on were promised by our government that they would be evacuated by our governments. They hold the visa. They've not been evacuated. Looks like we'll see about a thousand of those uh, with their families a day um, over the next several days uh, be moved to a safe place. So uh, we'll see. But that's a big picture of what's happening right now. Yeah, that's incredible. We'll definitely link to that website on our in our show notes. So if you're listening and you want to give to that or check it out and stay aware of what's going on, be sure to check that out. And uh, yeah, I was really just immediately when you saw everything, we, when we've all seen everything going on, I think all Christians have been compelled to pray because uh, not all of us have those connections and not all of us can get over there and actually sure. do something to help get people out of country. But we can definitely be praying uh, for the Afghan people Christians who are there, the Americans who are still there. 
as you guys are connected with people there, are there particular needs or ways that we can be praying more specifically? I think specific would be protection, safety, of course, um, in spite of the rhetoric that we're all inundated with on a daily basis. It is, it is extremely dangerous to get to the place where these families can can be evacuated. Just getting to the airport can be a very dangerous journey. Um, we hold the territory inside of the airport. The Taliban holds that which is outside of the airport, which makes it obviously very difficult for these folks to get there. Uh, and we're talking, you know, just so that we're clear, we're talking about a lot of Afghans who have served the United States over 20 years of war, mm-hmm. who put their own families at risk, who, if they are not evacuated, will most certainly lose their lives. Mm-hmm. But we're also talking about some 10,000 Americans that are stranded there right now trying to get to the airport and get out. Um, I've been contacted by a lot of folks uh, yesterday. A good friend who's part of a large missions organization who has uh, missionaries who are stranded there, who are on the run trying to get out and, and trying to figure that out. So praying for safety would probably be number one, praying that these folks can get to the locations that they need to get to so that they can be evacuated out. That would be number one. Uh, the coordination, I think, would be number two. It's a, obviously a very complicated endeavor, particularly when you're working kind of around the military yeah. and around, oh, you know, our country uh, is what we're doing. And so praying for the coordination, the logistics that's involved in that, that's a, a huge part of this, of course. And um, then financially, just that the, the funds will come together to make it happen. Um, praying for God's favor, you know, that God would continue to open doors and opportunities. And um, he's done that and pray that he will continue to do that. That's really what we're looking for. And uh, you, you know, Chad, well, a lot of people listening don't, but um, he's definitely uh, someone who doesn't sit around and wait for things to happen. He happens yeah. to things, right? He's a, he's a guy who <laughs> goes, goes after it. And uh, he's done that. And a lot of others have come alongside and connected with that. And a lot of the pieces that we just didn't have, uh, have come together. So just pray for God's continued favor in that way. Yeah, we definitely will. We definitely, um, I appreciate that aspect of Chad and know that, yeah, he doesn't think he happens to things and he makes things happen for sure. <laughs> That's um, right. Yeah. And for those of you who haven't, I mean, just really to encourage you on the prayer side of things, even especially as it relates to these types of things, if you guys check out uh, Dave Eubanks and the Free Burma Rangers and the podcast that they did with the Mighty Oaks show, he talks about some of the very clear divine intervention where he's going right. into rescue missions and stuff like that. So please, please, please be praying for, uh, the Save Our Warriors group, as well as our military and others who are going into a dangerous area to, to yeah. help get people out. So, and, and this is, and you know this, Curtis, but for those listening, I think for a lot of us, this may be a wake-up call because mm-hmm. we're seeing all this unfold in real time. But um, this situation that we're seeing is, is not unusual. I mean, around the yeah. world, uh, situations just like this one, Christian folks, good people caught in very bad situations, losing their lives, nowhere to go. This is something that happens every day. And a lot of those folks are Christian brothers and sisters yeah. that we really do. When Afghanistan goes away and we're focused on something else, um, we need to know this continues to happen and we need to be in prayer for that. So that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good reminder, brother. I appreciate that. So one of the, th- the other thing that made me reach out to you guys specifically about this podcast is I had, after praying for and thinking of the Afghans and our Christian brothers and sisters there, I immediately thought of the military population back home. Many of the men and women who've served in Afghanistan, uh, I know that when you see your work undone, it can be very distressing and, and upsetting. So I reached out some, to some of my friends, some of our mutual friends uh, who fought there, and then to you guys. Have you seen an uptick either in your 
uh, legacy program participants or, or alumni in distress, concern, suicidal thinking, hopelessness around this, uh, this situation? I think a lot of this is new enough that we'll see is probably the best answer that I can give. Now, we know that something similar to this, maybe not as catastrophic happened in Iraq when we decided to pull out of Iraq. And um, I'm, a, I'm an Iraq war veteran. And so that was, you know, the conversation amongst those who served there is, was it all for nothing? Did it matter? Um, should we have been there? People that we cared about died there. Uh, you think of the gold star families who lost, um, who've lost, you know, husbands and wives and uh, sons and daughters in these conflicts and asking the question why and what, and, you know, all of those questions. Um, so in terms of suicide and suicidal ideations and those things, uh, I don't know, uh, certainly anger, a lot yeah. of anger, yeah. um, you know, a lot of conversations, a lot of phone calls. I've, I've gotten a number of calls from, from men that I served with who went to Afghanistan after Iraq, uh, really asking the question, how should I process this? Mm. What should I think about this? How should I feel about this? You know, a lot of those questions. And there's a lot of anger and frustration as an American watching this unfold. But then as a service member asking that question, was it wasted? Did it matter? Um, and again, how should I feel about this? A good good friend of mine who I, I served with 20 years ago called me and said, I just, I cry every time I watch the news. I've had to stop. Uh, every time I think about it, I start to weep. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't even know why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling, but I don't know what to do with all of this. And so uh, a lot of conversations like that. And, and I, I think that will continue as, you know, yeah. Well, as time a, goes on. That's yeah. a great testimony to to you, your your ministry particularly, but also with Mighty Oaks, the fact that people are reaching back to you to ask, how do I process that? Like, that's a yeah. great testimony. And for our listeners, if you have those relationships, um, you know, hopefully people are calling you and saying, how do I process this? And then, and then, so my follow-up question is, what do you tell them? How are you yeah. helping them process? Yeah. So a couple of things and, you know, this is, this is me talking. So, so take this for what it's worth, right? I'll correct um, you if you're wrong. I'm yeah. Just let me know if I'm, if I'm wrong. Uh, you have served in the military as well, and you've also served in the Veterans Administration. So, you know, I, I think you would probably share my position on this. If not, that's, you know, please let me know. Um, but what I have said is a couple of things. Number one, when we went to Afghanistan in particular, Iraq is a different situation. We conflate the two. But when we went to Afghanistan in particular, we went with a very clear mission. The United States had been attacked on American soil. Uh, a number, more than 3,000 Americans had lost their lives in that attack. And we were going to deal with <laughs> the folks who brought that to us, one being Osama bin Laden and then a list of other um, uh, bad actors, Taliban leaders uh, across what we believe were in Afghanistan. Turns out they were in Afghanistan, Pakistan, uh, across the region. But we went there with a very specific goal. and Our goal was to eliminate those threats, number one, which we did. I mean, we, we took out most of those leaders, we disrupted that terrorist network. We eventually caught and killed Osama bin Laden. We did what we said we were going there to accomplish. So first of all, when we look at our early mission, if you were a part of that, what you did was successful and you accomplished exactly what you were sent there to accomplish. Uh, we then step back and say, well, what was the second goal? The second goal was to disrupt the terrorist network in a way that would prevent another 9-11 from happening. Mm -hmm. And in spite of whether we agree or disagree with how things have been handled over the last 20 years, we know that another 9-11 has not happened. Yeah. Uh, our presence there 
and this was a stated goal. Our presence there has disrupted that network to the extent that they couldn't bring another 9-11 type of attack into the United States. So, you know, prevention is weird. When you prevent something from happening, you don't see it kind of on the other side. And so were we successful or not? We were. We did what we went there to do in capturing and killing many of these who were responsible. We killed Osama bin Laden, which we said we were going to do. And we disrupted the network in a way that's kept Americans safe. We have no idea how many thousands of American lives have been saved because of what we did in Afghanistan. So as a service member there, I think we can look at that and say, we did what we went there to do and we did a good job. And because of that, many thousands of Americans on American soil have been saved. The other thing I I like to do is, you know, and this may sound harsh to those who haven't served in the military, but is provide some perspective. I personally, again, this is me. I've personally never spoken to an American service member who went to either Iraq or Afghanistan and was motivated to do so because they just loved that country so much and wanted to go and provide stability for the people that lived there. Um, When American service members deploy and project military power, American military power forward, it's for one purpose. And that is to carry out strategic military goals of the United States, ultimately to provide protection for those of us who live at home. And so what we're seeing happen in Afghanistan it's extremely tragic. As an American, it's embarrassing. It breaks my heart. It makes me feel sick. And it should, I think, all Americans. As an American, as a Christian, it breaks my heart. The thought of, you know, what is happening, ha- happening. I don't even know how to articulate how I feel about it. And I can't imagine how others are processing that as well. But as a service member, we didn't go there to establish and then maintain stability in Afghanistan. We went there to accomplish strategic goals of the United States uh, military, which in many cases we did. Now, has that been mishandled? And can we talk about the catastrophe that that operation has become? Of course. Should we have stayed for 20 years? Probably not. I mean, there are a lot of other issues that we can examine, but should I feel bad for my service in Afghanistan? No. Was it a waste? Absolutely not. And what's happening there inevitably would have taken place at some point down the road regardless of, you know, the timing. So uh, you taught me this a long time ago, but you can't tell someone how to feel. (laughs) And I would never tell someone not to feel bad for what happened there. Um, But gaining perspective, I think it's important for us to step back and say, when we look at what we actually went there to accomplish, we did that. And for that, we can be proud. Yeah, I think that's a that's an important piece of it for sure. And I know you go on further, and I'm sure we'll get into it some more as we talk. But the the sense of accomplishment is so significant. I think you backtrack even before Iraq, before, you know, to the Vietnam War. And you did. You had a lot of veterans uh, with the same questions. Was my service worthwhile? Was it a waste? Uh, All that kind of stuff. And there was a different, there are different issues related to that war too, especially the reception they received coming home. Radically different than than current days. But I remember talking to a World War II veteran on his 95th birthday and I was talking to him about some of the questions and things people were wrestling with uh, in the, the, the of the GWAT vet um, era. And he said one of the big differences is we 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 won, like we accomplished our mission, and it was a clear defining line. Like Germany didn't re- come back, you know. Hitler was killed. The, yeah. the Nazis were defeated. That kind of thing. And even to the point of um, just so many of those those men who fought in that war feeling the freedom to just move on to another segment in life where I see a lot of guys wrestling with 
uh, especially, I guess that was back in 2014, 2015, like wanting to get back into the fight because it wasn't finished. There were still their brothers back there on the, on the field fighting. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys going into contracting or whatever, cause they couldn't, they were, uh, you know, discharged for whatever reason. Um, so that sense of accomplishment is definitely huge. So I think that's a helpful to remind them of that perspective. Um, but then moving on from that, <laughs> yeah. some other things, uh, the, the sense of purpose, um, for humans, that's, that's a big part of what you guys talk about in the legacy program with people. And it, it goes deeper than the purpose that you were given by the U S military. How does that, how do you guys help people gain the broader, the bigger perspective of what God has called them to that they're created to be, um, bring, bring that perspective to bear on this situation. When we talk about what we were created to be, when we talk about our identity, this is the word that we use and identity is so important in understanding this. One of the struggles that particularly military members have is wrapping their identity up in the uniform, in the job, um, in this case, in the place that they served. And you're absolutely right. Coming out of a World War One or a World War Two, where there was a definitive day where conflict ended and peace treaties were signed and we came home to ticker tape parades, um, it, it's much I won't say easier, but there's a clearer line to yeah. say that's when that happened. And now I'm moving on to something else. The mission creep that's happened in Afghanistan, it happened in Iraq. Um, it happened in Vietnam. Those examples that you gave, I mean, we could say it happened in Korea. Mm. Um, it, it creates this unfinished business sense in us. And if our identity is found in, I am a warrior, I am a service member, I'm a Marine, I'm a soldier, I'm a whatever then when the fight continues, you feel like your identity draws you to that place. Mm -hmm. When I came back from Iraq in 2003, in June of 2003, um, the fighting was over. We went, we did what we needed to do. There was no more shooting uh, when I came home. Seven months later, the unit that I was deployed with originally deployed back to Iraq Things had gotten out of control. They found themselves in the Battle of Fallujah, the first Battle of Fallujah. And a lot of the young Marines that I had served with were in Fallujah. I started to hear about some of them being killed and a lot of the things that were happening there. And I remember I was on a church staff at the time. I remember sitting in my pastor's office and just overwhelmed with the sense that I should be there with them. That's what I should be doing right now. And I remember even you know talking to my pastor about that and he just didn't understand. And he just kind of went, yeah, that's, that's crazy. So anyhow, let's get to the agenda of the meeting, right? And moving on. And so that sense of, uh, that's who I am and that's yeah. what I should be doing. And that's where I'm supposed to be. Um, it, it becomes overwhelming as a, as a Christian, we need to understand that what we do is not who we are, that our identity is wrapped up in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us that what we've done is a part of our past. It's a part of who we are. It makes us in part who we are. It helps us to see the world the way that we see the world. It frames things for us in a lot of ways. There's sorrow sometimes attached to that. Um, we'll never forget that. We should be proud of many of those things. We, we could talk about people who have been traumatized in a lot of uh, you know, very severe ways. That's part of who you are. There's no questioning that. But when you find your identity not in that trauma or that 
difficulty or the uniform or that country or whatever, when you can find your identity in Christ, then you can separate yourself from what you did or what happened to you. And you can understand that's a part of my story. That's a part of my history. In many ways, it makes me who I am today. God has redeemed that if if I've allowed him to do that, but I can move forward. And I think for those who are able to move forward through what's happening again around the world in Afghanistan right now, um, they're able to say, I did that. I was there to the best of my ability. I did what I was supposed to do while I was there, uh, but that's not who I am. And so again, you see, you know, organizations like ours and other organizations, many of whom served there as military members uh, during the war now saying, well, as a, an American, as a Christian, as someone who cares about people, I'm going to continue to do what I can do. That's what I'm going to do instead of mourning the loss of what was or what I think should have been. I don't know if that answers your question. It's kind of meandering, but we need to find our our identity in something other than what we did. (laughs) And we need to find it in a person who has always been, will always be, will not change. When our identity is wrapped up in Jesus Christ, um, that's a strong place to stand. And we can properly evaluate what's happening in the world and then ask the question, what's next? And I think that's where a lot of folks right now are caught. What was, um, instead of asking what's next, I think we also have to be very careful, um, very careful not to make a catastrophe like the one taking place in Afghanistan about us. Mm-hmm. And as a service member, it's natural, but there are a lot of people in a very difficult situation right now, and we're making it about how we feel. <laughs> Yeah. And it's pretty narrow thinking in, in my, in my view. Yeah. Well, I think kind of like, uh, well, I appreciate that. I thought that was, that was a brilliant answer. And that's why I asked you to come, <laughs> to come on and talk. Cause I figured you would give something along those lines. And I think that's what hopefully our audience can take to people is what you did and who you are, are important. And who you are is most important because you're creating the image of God. Right. If you're a Christian, you're you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're not, you can be because you were created in the image of God, and that's yeah. really where your identity is. Uh, and then I think for for you guys, you probably have more freedom to say that last part to somebody than maybe like that's uh, right. Somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if you have not served, I would be careful about saying that last part. Yeah, but yeah, yes. yeah. Um, but that's why I love, as John Fulberg once said, you guys are a poke vet program, not a hug a vet <laughs> program, because you can. I mean, you have the freedom to just. Be that blunt and that honest. It is, but it is. It's not about us and our feelings. It's in, and I think helping them steer their eyes to Christ, and then to others, like praying for and and thinking about those people who are there and and uh, what they're going through, and that it's about them, but not ignoring. Uh, yeah, it's a real hurt. Like there are friends Absolutely. that you will lose uh, because Absolutely. of this period, and we don't want to ignore that either. So yeah, I appreciate that. All that perspective. So. Um, if you were, if you had a bunch of pastors and biblical counselors around, and you were going to give them anything to say to people in their pews in their church um, to help to encourage, would you would you just tell them what you said, or is there anything else you would say? Again, I think it depends on where that person is coming from and who they're talking to. Uh, context is very very important, and I agree. Some people have the freedom to say that. I might have the freedom to say that one on one, where I would not in a broader audience. Um, you've heard me speak. I, I I'll say things in a church audience that, you know, half the church members come up to me afterwards and like, I can't believe you just said, <laughs> like, yeah, but the people for which it was intended understand it. So yeah, yeah. you need to, you know, take that as well. But 
as a pastor, I think what needs to happen right now is we need to elevate um, our identity in Christ. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting. I just said, don't make it about you, but I'm going to make this about me for a minute. It's really interesting, right? So I'm preaching at um, my home church the month of August. So it's, it's a unique thing, but I'm preaching three weeks in a row. And um, months ago, I started pondering those verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Mm. We all know these verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Started thinking about that in the context of my family, my daughter's going off to college this week. I mean, there's just so many things, right, that yeah. work for me. And that uh, started to break that down. I told my pastor about two months ago, I think I'm going to spend three weeks preaching on those verses. He said, there's no way you can spend three weeks preaching on those verses. I said, no, I'm going to spend three weeks preaching on those verses. There's so much there. It just so happened that it fell starting last week. The second one was yesterday, and there will be one more next week. Um, our church is right outside the gates of Camp Pendleton. A lot of Afghan vets and their families in our church. And I've been processing through this with everyone else. But I think what a pastor can do broadly is elevate the truth that God has a plan for your life, that he plan that he that he promises to be the director of that. And, and he, that is God, shall direct your path, shall is a is a promise. He will direct your path specific to your life. Emphasize the truth that God, <laughs> the creator, has a plan for you. It's a good plan, but you need to be on the path. You need to let him lead. Well, how do you do that? Well, it starts by trusting in him and not leaning to your own understanding. Things are out of control, clearly. But trust yeah. in the one who's always been, who always will be, and will move you through this the way that he wants you to move through this. Next week, I'll get to the last part. But the last part is it takes all. <laughs> with all your heart and in all your ways. Mm. I'm going to make the statement next week. You need to trust with all your heart, not trust your heart. Mm. Trust with all your heart, not your heart. We trust our heart and we're broken and we should be. What we need to do instead is trust with all our heart, the emotional set that we have. Trust God with all our heart. And in all our ways, God, this is where we are. This is what's happening. I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you. Why? Because of the promise at the end, and you will direct my paths. I think as a pastor, um, it's always good to elevate those truths. But right now, when you're talking broadly to a group of people who are hurting, and I would say that the hurt is, is you know, beyond simply those who have served. I think a yeah. lot of Americans are, are broken right now and are, are wondering what, what in the world? We've, we've come out of two years of just chaos, yep. and here we are again. What in the world do we do? Well, you trust in the Lord <laughs> with all your heart. Stop leaning to your own understanding. You acknowledge him in all your ways. Why? Because he made a promise that if you'll do those things, he will direct your paths. Um, you know, and that's not intended to be a churchy answer. It's just, it's just true. I, I don't know what else to do. Well, this is a podcast provide... of the Biblical Counseling Association. Yeah, right. Sorry, so I think I just... you can, yeah, churchy is <laughs> relative. Well, and, <laughs> and some people take that as like, well, it's, you know, it's just trite. You're just saying that because you're supposed to. Uh, man, yeah. I'm as hurt as, as anyone else. And there are a lot of people who are hurting. Yeah. What do we do? Well, we elevate our, our, our heart, our mind, our eyes to the one who is bigger than all of this, who yeah. saw it coming, <laughs> yeah. who is sovereign, who has a plan, and who's going to get us through it. Yep. And you think about the people in, in church history and in biblical history who were writing these things, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, Yeah, what they were living through. Um, and it this past two years, like you said, feels like complete chaos and out of control to us. But one, this kind of stuff has been happening for 
human history since Adam right. and Eve sinned. We've had plagues. Right. We've had war. We've had death. Right. We've had famine. And two, it's it may be out of our control, but it's not out of his control. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so. that's absolutely right. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this this week, too. Um, uh, you, you know, David Barton, he and his son, Tim, mm-hmm. just wrote a book on on history. And I'm reading this this book and the unfolding of it. He talks about the golden strand of God's uh, divine sovereignty throughout American history. But you look at the periods of time when there's been peace in the United States, they've been relatively short. Mm-hmm. Uh, this chaos, this confusion, this upheaval, it's always been a part of the Christian story for sure. And Christians historically have dealt with it the same way by looking to God, trusting God and and understanding that I don't get it all, but God has a plan and it's bigger than me. And I'm going to do what I can do in this moment. Yeah, no, that's really good. And like you guys get the opportunity to do um, all over the country and even all over the world now too, going in and, and talking about this to people. It's not just a trite cliche no. statement it's life transforming that's right um and we we you know most of our audience practice biblical counseling so they get to see it too they get it uh yeah god's word is not trite it's powerful and it, it transforms lives so we need to be reminded of that and keep pointing people to that and i think that's a good good word for all of us to take away as chaotic as this seems as hard as this seems uh god is still on the throne he's his word is still true Right. And we can keep being faithful to him as he is always faithful to us. So, yeah, brother, I really appreciate that. Any other encouragement, advice that you would give to our audience? I would say this just on the other side of what you just said, that God is bigger and then God does have a plan. Um, for a Christian audience, I think it's really important for us to not only acknowledge that, but get our hands around that. Practically, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. I'll tell you, I mean, you know, <laughs> you're on our board, you know, this mighty Oaks foundation would not exist were it not for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. We wouldn't exist because of what happened there. And we could talk about the politics of it. We do exist. And we've seen thousands of folks come to relationship with Jesus Christ because those wars pushed us into doing something that wouldn't have happened. Otherwise we've seen many more thousands um, who were Christians be encouraged in their faith, et cetera. We could talk about that. Um, but I remember in Iraq, hundreds of young men and women coming into relationship with Christ because they were confronted for the first time in their lives with their own mortality. God used that situation for his honor and glory in Afghanistan. uh, I mean, the thousands of stories I've heard of uh, young men and women understanding I need a savior and Jesus is the savior and chaplains coming along or faithful Christian service members coming along and encouraging them. Now we're in a situation as terrible as it is, where because of how bad it is, we need to get the folks that are there, not to a safe place in Afghanistan, but outside of Afghanistan, places where perhaps for the first time ever, those who are faithful Muslims will be able to hear the truth of the gospel mm-hmm. and the truth of the word of God. Um, what we look at as broken and chaotic, and we should be angry at our government for what's happening, but God's sovereign plan will bring to pass his word, (laughs) but many, I believe thousands of folks will come into relationship with him because of what we see happening right now. And and that for me as a Christian is extremely encouraging. Yeah. Uh, Amen. Amen. We need to, we need to maintain that perspective and all the time. So uh, really appreciate that. Tell us one more time, the website for the coalition you guys are putting together and then tell our people the mighty Oaks website as well. 
Sure. The coalition website is saveourwarriors.org, saveourwarriors.org. Um, and we will link to that, I'm sure, on the Mighty Oaks website as well. So mightyoaksprograms.org is Mighty Oaks, mightyoaksprograms.org. Uh, you can find us there and all of that information. And uh, if we can do anything for you, if you need a program, um, there's a place there to apply. It's free to you to apply. We even cover the cost of travel to get you there. We want to make sure that you as a veteran, an active duty service member, a first responder can get the help that you need. If you're a family member that knows someone, send them to that website. If you just have a question about what's happening, um, info at mightyoaksprograms.org. That's our email address. Send it over and we'll work with you. Yeah, appreciate that. And and be sure to check out, too, the new documentary that came out earlier this year, uh, No One Fights Alone. So yeah. especially I've, I've sent a lot of family members and friends there who say I, I my family member or friend needs to go to Mighty Oaks, but I'm trying to have, have trouble convincing them. I say, one, they've got great video testimonies on their website, but two, this documentary right. now uh, really, I think, will shatter a lot of their uh, hesitancies and barriers to going to the program. Yeah. So be sure to yeah, right. share those as well. So, Jeremy, thanks again, brother. It was a, it's always a pleasure to talk, and uh, this, this podcast was no exception. Awesome. No, I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for what you guys are doing. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.